Blog Talk Radio.
And welcome to Reality in Christ, Worship and Word. I'm your host, Reverend Thomas Dwayne Smith, and I am really excited about the show today because our guest pastor this week is someone who has been very influential and very powerful part of my life. And uh, we're going to get to the message with him uh, later on, but first and foremost, We're going to open up with a little word, worship, and then word. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we're thankful for another opportunity to host an episode of Worship and Word. Father God, I thank you for an opportunity to have my spiritual dad in a faith give the messages for as long as you lead him to give the messages over the course of the next few weeks, Lord. I pray that you continue to bless him, his family, his pastor, Delon, his children, Sean, Talitha, their families, Lord God. Just continue to lift them up and just continue to show yourself real and true to them. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, my first song is Alabaster Box by C.C. Wine. And there's something about this song that it just, it draws me closer. It just sets, for me, it sets an atmosphere of worship. So our first song will be Alabaster Box, C.C. Wine. Don't be angry, 
and welcome back to Worship in Word here on True Radio Network. In keeping with the theme, just listening to the music, I felt led to play a couple more songs, worship songs, because it's it's like it's setting the atmosphere and setting the tone. So the next song is Everything to Me, another Avalon song. And then the last song is by a very dear friend of mine who back in 1958, she was conceived when her mom was gang raped. And this woman, she she loves the Lord. She's a pro-life speaker, and she's doing great things. So if you all will indulge me, I'm going to play a couple more songs, and then... I'm going to pray and we're going to get right into the word because I am very excited to, I'm very excited to share with my listeners the man who's had such a powerful and a positive impact on my life, so. Yeah. 
attempted it before, but I wasn't sure what it was. And, um, you know, I'm honored to say he's a part of my ministry where he sits on my board of directors. He speaks into my life, and uh, he tells me when I need a spiritual tail-whooping, he does it, but he also encourages me when I need it as well. So, reality in Christ, worship and word, join me in welcoming my spiritual dad in the faith, Pastor John Anderson, to the show. Pastor John, how are you, sir? I am just fine, Thomas. I'm just fine. I'm so blessed that you asked me to come on your program. Uh, this is a, a momentous day for me. I've been I've been encouraging you towards ministry for a while now, and it's it's a delight for me to to see you're out on the internet doing the thing, and that's just very cool. I'm proud of you. Well, like like you said, you played a part in that, and uh, it took uh, it took a lot of prying. But you know, my issue wasn't that the ministry part. As you know, I always had the ministry part down. That wasn't an issue. The yeah. the part where I struggled with was feeling worthy of that ministry, feeling worthy of God's love. And that mm-hmm. that actually I struggled with even up until December 12th of 2010 when at a little church in Kansas City, Abundant Life um, Church, I finally, I just finally broke and I told the Lord I'm sick and tired of being angry and mad at the world and all that. And I said, here, you take it. And I and I and I said I said it angry when I when when I got rid of it. And so that really was the catalyst that broke that broke things for me. But one of the things that I focus on now just because it was such a hindrance and so hard for me is God's love. I weigh mm-hmm. everything through the prism of God's love. Even in my shortcomings, I look at I look at God's love, and um, I know that through His love we can overcome anything, even with the turmoil that's going on in our nation. And that's that's really what I want want you to share with people today. Just you know, encourage them in in the love of God because. There are too many. There are too many believers. A dear friend of mine today was very encouraged or discouraged in her spirit because she's been fighting for a particular cause for so long, and she's getting weary. But you know, Pastor John, I know that through God's love, despite everything that's happening, we can overcome all adversity. And so that's that's the message I would like for you to deliver to the listeners today. Um, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. And um, with that, I'm going to put myself on mute and I'm going to give you the mic. All right. Well, thank you very much, Thomas. Um, I want to talk for a while about <clears throat> the word power 
keeps coming up in a lot of Christians. And uh, and sad to say, most of the time when they're talking about power, they're talking about some kind of political or religious influence. And uh, and that's not the definition of power that the Bible has. The Bible doesn't refer to religious influence or political influence as power at all. The Bible just simply doesn't refer to it that way. Um, the the word that is translated power in, in several places in the Bible um, is the word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from that word. And, and it means explosive ability. Well, if it's explosive, if the power of God is explosive ability, that has nothing whatsoever to do with religious control or religious influence. Um, Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God to salvation. The gospel is the power of God. Now, that, that just seems a little short, a little shy. Well, the gospel is the power of God. Yeah, yeah, sure. The gospel is the power of God. Yeah, I get that. No, I don't think you do. The word of God is what the power of God is all about. And the word of God, in combination with the Holy Spirit that God has given to us, makes us Christian people, God's people, beings on the planet. And our trouble is, our, our real deep gut level struggle is, we don't know that. Or if we've heard it, we don't believe it enough to step out and walk in it. That's the hard part. The hard part of the whole thing is stepping out and walking in it. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God's given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Now, I've been, I've been in pastoral ministry for some 35 years, and I've talked to a lot of Christians, and, and I'm sad to say that there's a whole lot of them that don't exhibit what anybody would call a sound mind. They exhibit fear. They exhibit superstition. They exhibit weird religious, um, I, I don't even know the words to describe it. It's just odd. God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power. The, the Holy Spirit that God placed inside of us is a spirit of power. That power on the inside of us is the power of God. He gave us a spirit of power and of love. When we decide to walk in love, the sound mind comes as a side benefit. The power of God is exercised, and we're going to see the verse that says this, the power of God is exercised by faith when we walk in love. If we're not going to walk in love, we're not going to be able to expect any kind of power to be exhibited and exercised in our life. We're just not going to be able to expect it. It won't work. The The power of God doesn't work for people that walk in religion, for people that walk in anger, for people that walk in 
uh, I want to do it my way in manipulation, the power of God doesn't work. All they have, if you're not going to walk in love, all on earth that you have is the ability to scare somebody into believing you, into manipulating them to agree on some level. Yeah, well, I guess he's right. Being able to get somebody to agree with you doesn't make you right. The truth of the matter is God and his word are right. If you have a couple of functioning brain cells, you will agree with him. That's just smart to just simply agree with God. You don't have to be right. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to figure anything out. The truth of the matter is God's word is right enough to last you a lifetime. And there is enough to do in the word of God to last you a lifetime, to give you the grand adventure of a lifetime, just simply doing what the word says to do. It really is that simple. I don't say it's that easy, but it is that simple. Second Peter 1, 3, and 4 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. His divine power has granted to us not some things, not a few things, not, well, brother, you can't expect all that, all things that pertain to life and godliness. And if you think your way through that, what is there that we need to do in this Christian life that doesn't pertain to life and godliness. Well, I'm not very good at some of the. Oh, shut up. It doesn't matter what you think of you. It matters very much. What God thinks more highly of you than you will ever think of you. He granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Where do you find the knowledge of God? Where do you find the knowledge of Jesus? It's in the word. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Notice it didn't say he called us to our glory and excellence. We don't have enough glory and excellence to get us anywhere with God. We don't have enough glory and excellence to to impress God. We don't have enough glory and excellence to, to do anything. Most of us, the, the nearest we can come is we have a finely tuned ability to screw up. It's about as good as that gets. Who's called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. What's that? That's the word. God has granted to us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, through the word, you may become partakers of the divine nature. What is the divine nature? God is love. You become an example of the love of God when you decide to walk in the word. 
when you decide to do what the Word says to do just because it says to do it, not because you're such a rocket scientist, you've got it all figured out. It really is quite simple. You may, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. King James says that, that is in the world because of lust. Lust isn't just about sex. It's about me, 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 me. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And there's a whole bunch of that going on in church. There's a whole bunch of that going on among people that are hanging around churches wanting to have some sort of religious influence. Galatians 5, chapter 5, verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. If you're looking for a way for your life to count for something, learn how to apply the faith that God gave you when he gave you Jesus, apply that in love. If you're looking for your life to count for something, apply the faith God gave you in love. Circumcision, uncircumcision, religious this, religious that, wearing your hair just so, wearing your clothes just so, acting just so, you can't say this, you can't say that. Uh, Don't even think about that other stuff. Round and round and around and around and around. People paint themselves into religious boxes so quickly. It's absolutely scary how quickly we can paint ourselves into a religious box. That religious box wasn't designed by God. God did not set up that box so that you could be painted into a little corner and so that you'll have to act nice, because if you don't act nice, God's not going to like you. Well, what a bunch of baloney. If it takes you acting nice for God to like you, Jesus coming and suffering what he suffered, dying on the cross, going to hell, and being raised from the dead was a giant waste of time. If all it takes for God to like you is for you to be nice. Face it, you don't have the ability to be that nice for that long to be really impressive. That's where the amen was supposed to go, right? I think you probably missed that. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So where does the love come from? God had it first. God is love. John three sixteen and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loved you first. He didn't wait until you got all cleaned up. Listen, I used to be an alcoholic, a drug addict, many different kinds of a jerk. And in the middle of all that, God saved me. Wow, how weird is that? I mean, Why would God want to hang around with me? I finally figured it out after a number of years, saying, wow, I'm such an idiot. Why would God want to hang around with me? I figured it out. God has no class. He doesn't care who he hangs out with. He doesn't care who he hangs around with. He doesn't care who he spends time with. Oh, my goodness, he'll even spend time with, I don't know, you. How weird is that? (laughs) God 
loved you so much, he gave his only begotten son. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. In other words, it wasn't about starting the Christian religion. Amen. Yes, sir. God said amen. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) It wasn't about starting the Christian religion. It wasn't about doing, you know, uh, making us so that we're able to do better. It wasn't about that at all. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And when Jesus came, did it all. I mean, he did it all. He didn't leave anything up for us to do. If we wish to be effective in this life, he gave us one commandment. For years, the body of Christ has looked down its nose at the Jews, which is really stupid, by the way. Looked down its nose at the Jews and said, oh, you know, God only gave them ten commandments, and they just broke them all. How many commandments did Jesus give us? Exactly one. Two. Oh, well. Two. Yeah, that's right. He said, this is my commandment. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. It doesn't say people will know you're my disciples if you act really nice and and if you speak all the right catchphrases. You know, if you learn to speak a really good rap with Christianese, uh, then people will know you're Christians. No, no, they'll just know you're religious. And religious and Christian is not the same thing at all. God's power is wrapped up in his love. That's the only place to find the power of God. If you want the power of God, dig into the word that talks about his love and soak it into yourself. Make it part of you until when you step out into the world, when you go to work, when you go to Walmart, wherever you go, you're walking in love. You're finding somebody that needs Jesus. You're finding somebody that needs a touch from the master's hand. And that master's hand, my friend, is you. Thomas? Yes, sir. I thank you for the opportunity to address your audience. This is a blessing for me. I love what you're doing. And and uh, I, I, like I said before, I'm just proud of you. Well, you know, I I had help along the way, you know. God yep. put Everybody people does. in my life like you. I mean, because you know how it was when everybody else was writing me off. It was like you saw you saw the you saw to the heart of who I was. And folks, let me tell you something. Um if it seems like uh, that was a short message, he has to say something. He'll be back next week, but let me let me tell you something like this. This is a man who has experienced the love of God in a way that um, it's just he he came from he he came from a background you know he talks about he shared over the years how his father was a 
gruff, mean, tough person. And um, he came from a grizzled, tough background. You you were born and raised in Nebraska, right, Pastor John, or was it the Dakota? South, South Dakota. Where I was South Dakota. Okay. But were you born in Nebraska or you was born in no. South Dakota? No, born and raised in South Dakota. I moved to okay. Nebraska to start the church. Okay. So he moved to Nebraska to start the church, but I always thought you was born in Nebraska. But okay. No. <laughs> um, I would like for you to share um, your testimony of healing with um, – we had that, I forget his name, uh, what was his Evangelist Hans, I think, came in. This was a little after Solomon's porch started. You remember, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm talking about, yep. right? I was yes, like for Hans you. Hans from, from Holland. Yes. And, folks, the story that that Pastor John is about to share, I asked him to share this for this reason. I'm frustrated, and this is what I'm frustrated with. I'm frustrated with people believing because of the religiosity. God is not healing anymore. That that died out with the apostles. Well, let me tell you something. Remember that I said Pastor John grew up, he grew up a tough upbringing, and because of that, upbringing. While he is a loving, fun guy, he has a great sense of humor, he's also no nonsense. Keep that in mind as he shares this story. Go ahead, Pastor John. All right. Um, I I had some nerve damage in my feet, um, and, and for probably 15 years before then, I had not felt the inside of my shoes just because of, of nerve damage and, and uh, spent a lot of time on my feet and, and that damaged. Uh, at one point I was diagnosed with diabetes. Thank God I've been healed of that as well. Um, but there's been, you know, I just, I, I had that nerve damage and, and I could put my shoes on and uh, the only way I could tell if they fit is uh you know, basically, if my toes weren't bleeding at the end of the day, I guess they must be okay. And um, and this this guy from Holland, Hans Kuhnstra was his name, K-O-O-R-N-S-T-R-A, uh, precious brother, and he's still running all over the U.S. preaching and and uh, and letting God heal through his hands. It's awesome. But uh, <clears throat> he uh, at one point in his message. He said, if you want something from God, reach out and accept it right now. And I said, Lord, my feet are in horrible shape. I, the only sensation I have had felt in my feet for years was just pain. I, I hadn't. And if somebody said, oh, let me rub your feet, don't you dare touch my feet. Um, I... Uh, I, I wouldn't let anybody touch my feet at all. It would just way too much pain. Just a, a gentle caress on my feet would cause pain. He said, if you need something from God, reach out and accept it. And I said, Lord, I need to be healed. I need my feet healed. And I 
Thank you, Jesus, for loving me enough to give your life so that I could be healed. And uh, and I thought, well, okay. I wiggled my toes, and I thought, wow, I can feel the inside of my shoes. I thought, well, if we're going to have an act of faith here, let's have one. And I lifted my leg way up, and I slammed my foot on the ground. That previously would have made me scream because of pain. And I felt the impact of my foot on the ground, no pain. Hallelujah, no pain. And I can still feel the inside of my shoes, and I don't have that kind of pain at all. It's good. Uh, Healing works. Amen. And, folks, let me tell you something. It's not complicated. But the thing of it is, is that we have had too too many religious folks, for whatever reason, building their own kingdom or whatever, not believing God at its own word. Pastor John, let me ask you this question. Now, you and I, we both know what sends people to hell. But when mm-hmm. we... But when we say it's not sin that sends a person to hell, you can you can just see the most religious person's hair stand on the end. So I'm going to make the statement and I want you to expound just a little bit on it so that the listeners can truly understand. Okay. Here's the thing, folks, Jesus Christ died for all sins, past present, and future. Those unbelievers who don't accept Jesus Christ, they go to hell, not because they're not saved, but because they didn't accept the salvation. Now, let let me clarify that again. The unsaved that we refer to as unsaved, they were saved too. They don't have a sin nature. Because Jesus destroyed that. Just because they live in sin, they they have that choice. So could you expound on what I just said for the listeners? Because Pastor John, this one of it makes me cringe when I hear prominent, well known preachers say that because they're diminishing what Jesus did on Calvary, because essentially what they said what they say when they make the comment that you're not forgiven until you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that means then Jesus technically has to be crucified for every person who didn't accept him. Could you explain when, that one? When Jesus, was, when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified for everybody. Right. Um, you know, it's, I guess a, a, a rather sloppy illustration would be electricity. There, is, right. there are big electric plants all over the country, and they feed electricity into this grid, and we have these little funny-looking things with slots in them in our walls. And, and if we want to use electricity, we have to plug something into that. You can have a perfectly good $5,000 vacuum cleaner and if you don't ever plug it into the wall, that vacuum cleaner is not going to suck up one ounce of dirt. It is not going to work for you. 
if you don't make Jesus Lord of your life, all that Jesus did is just sitting there for you. And it, it's not the sin that people commit that sends anybody to hell. Right. Their sin was dealt with. They don't accept the dealing of it. They don't accept what God did to deal with their sin. So they have to pay their own price. Jesus paid the price. But they have to pay their own price if they're not going to accept what Jesus did. And it's really very simple. Jesus went to hell for everybody. Why does anybody go to hell? Because they say, I don't believe all that religious stuff. Well, sure enough, there you go. It's all yours, buddy. Take it if you wish. The only thing that sends anybody to hell, anybody at all, the only thing, is refusing to make Jesus Lord. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that keeps anybody out of hell is making Jesus Lord. If making Jesus Lord is such a simple thing, and, and that's what gives us right to access heaven, then how can we flip that and say, well, it's because I was a bad person that God won't let me into heaven now. Well, listen, buddy, I was a bad person. I was a drug dealer for several years. I made 200 bucks a day in 1969 and 70, selling LSD through chain link fences at junior high schools for lunch money. I was that guy that kids' parents warned them about. I was that fella. And Jesus saved me. Talk about your bad choices. You know, he could have done a lot better than me. But he saved me anyway. I'm particularly grateful that he saved me anyway. So it doesn't matter. You know, uh, it, it doesn't matter what you have done the salvation that Jesus provided is enough. It's absolutely enough. He did it all. We didn't do anything when we received him, make him Lord of our life. Very, very simple. Done deal. Amen. And see, that's the point that I try to, I try to, I try to hammer home. And, you know, let's let's uh let's take a little bunny trail for a minute because um, I want to save the good stuff for the rest of the lesson. But I want to talk about because uh, you mentioned religiosity. I want to talk about that for a minute because I want I want people to really be set free tonight. But one of the things that I really want to hit on is my biggest pet. Well, it's not a pet peeve. It 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 downright angers me, and it's it's the whole controversy of women not supposed to be preachers in the church. And this is this is my argument that I make to those who you say that, and they and they quote Paul and stuff like that. So, Pastor John, I'm like, okay, so. When did God change his mind? And this is what I ask people. And they, um, they, they're like, huh? What do you mean when God changes his mind? Well, the word says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when did he change his mind? And, you know, it just kind of is one of those things. And 
and you know I'm setting them up for something. So I say, mm-hmm. okay, you say that God through Paul said that um, women are not supposed to preach in a church. Well, how do you explain in the book of Judges that Deborah was the most prominent judge in the book of Judges, and not only that, she was a prophetess, and then not only that, General Barrick said to her, I'm not going into battle unless you leave. How do you explain that? How how do you also reconcile the fact that after Jesus rose, the very first people that he appeared to was a couple of women? Yeah, and he told them to go tell the disciples. Oh, and by the way, Peter. Right. (laughs) Peter had backed off so far, he didn't consider himself one of the disciples at that point. Right. But Jesus Jesus called women to preach. And in the book of Acts, uh, there's Priscilla and Aquila. And whenever there's there's a pairing of names, the most significant Mm -hmm. person of that pair is always listed first in the Bible. Right, but right. Priscilla and Aquila were a husband and wife team. Priscilla was right. the preacher. She was the one that taught the people the word of God. Right, exactly. And how is it then that we conveniently overlook the the um, um, verse where Paul said, something I speak as a man, and others I speak by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul was specifically Mm -hmm. stating right there that not everything that he is writing is inspired by the Holy Spirit because he knew, he knew back then that there would be controversy. So explain that one. Well, I think you just explained it pretty well. And oh, and okay. that deal about women should keep silence in the church. Right. The, the, Paul ministered to the Gentiles. That's who God called him to minister to. And right. And the only thing they knew of anything like church was what they were able to observe by looking in the door, because they weren't allowed to go in, at a synagogue. Mm-hmm. And the synagogue, the men sat on one side, the women sat on the other, and and, you know, there was a very strict division between the two. Well, these Gentile women didn't know, you know, they didn't have the thousand-plus years of history that the, the Jewish women had that gave them an understanding. So when somebody was saying something, they'd holler across the aisle, hey, husband, what does that mean? And it just basically caused an interruption in the church, in the service. Right. And Paul said, ladies, shut up trying to get something done here. Be quiet. And, you know, it wasn't God has spoken. Women are not supposed to speak in the church. Uh, Women, men, anybody are not supposed to cause a disruption in the church. Very simple. Exactly. Exactly. I don't understand. I I don't understand why why it has led to such division and strife. And then if I'm really frustrated over that debate, I ask the I ask this question. So you telling me God thinks so much so low of women that he'd rather speak through a donkey than speak through a woman? 
usually usually <laughs> when I ask that question, that is, that'll end the conversation right there because yeah. they have no comeback. And what it what yeah. it boils down to is this. It's just like it's just like God taught me one of the he taught me one of the greatest lessons, probably on the most controversial theme of all. And that is that is tithe. And and I ask people the question, who established the tithe? And they say God. I say, uh, no. It was established by King Melchizedek. Well, actually, Abraham, when Abraham gave King Melchizedek the tenth of everything he had, and then King Melchizedek gave uh, uh, gave Abraham back a double portion because he was so blessed by Abraham and saw how he was walking up standing before the Lord. Where Christians actually get it confused, they confuse tithing with first fruits. And so I asked someone, the difference. What's the difference between tithing and first fruits? And the difference is, first fruits has no set amount because even if you only have a little, if you're giving the very best of what you have from your first fruits, you just gave your very best. And it goes back to this: when you take God at His word, especially when He says, "Give cheerfully." Give because you're giving out of your love. The third chapter of First Corinthians chapter 13, though I give my body to be burned and though I bestow all my goods, all my goods to feed the poor, if I have not love, I have nothing. I am nothing. And that is yep. the one single thing that is missing in the church when it comes to gifts. Am I right on that? Because yep. take Tackle that well, for me, Pastor John. You know, if, if you're Go going ahead. to get legalistic about you got to give ten percent, uh, you know, if you're going to get legalistic about that, okay, give the given the ten percent. Uh, you can get legalistic about that uh, under the old covenant. Well, what about under the new covenant? Under the new covenant, everything belongs to Jesus. So you need to just write your entire paycheck over to Jesus. Exactly. And you just live on nothing, whatever. Exactly. Wow, that doesn't make sense. That's just crazy. I rest my case. Anytime exactly. you get legalistic about anything, you have just stepped into a large puddle of stupid. <laughs> I like how you put that. But it's yeah. true. Because from being a hick. Yeah, but it but you keeping it real because I got I gotta be I gotta be very open and transparent with you, or maybe you already knew this and tell me if you did. One of the biggest areas of condemnation for me at, when we were at Solomon's Porch was that I I never had enough money to give, and I wanted mm-hmm. to give financially, but you know I felt condemned and and and. And the Lord knows where I was there. And so that's yeah. why, as you know, I tried to do I tried to do a lot. I brought people in. I was serving in the kitchen and wherever I could because I was trying to overcompensate for not having having the money to give. But mm-hmm. the Lord actually had to say, Thomas, you have been sowing seed. You didn't know you were so in seed because the only seed I thought of is that that matters was if you give in a financial seed. And that is not 
that was never what God was getting at. Because the biggest no. thing that he has shown me is that because you sow seed of love, I am going yeah. to reap. You're going to reap, not only in finances, but in all areas. And I started to see that, you know. And God, he, knows, God knows that if he can get you, he can get your finances. Right. He's not just after, he's not just after money. God is not broke. Right. You know, he, he lives in a town that all of the streets are paved with gold. The walls around God's town, the gravel that makes up the wall, the gravel that it took to to make to pour the cement to make the walls is made out of precious stones, diamonds, emeralds, rubies, all manner of jewels. That's just gravel. Right. And, uh, right. you know, so... Uh, God, God's not having any bad days. He's not having any close calls with the electric company. Right, and that's that's, and that's my that's my whole point, because um, God loves us. See, there really isn't any word. There's no there's no descriptive word in the human language, period, that can describe the immense level of God's love for us. There, it, the word doesn't exist. That's how deeply he loves us. Just take yeah. infinity well, like, times. Like little kids do. They, little kids say, I love you to infinity. And then the next little kid says, I love you to infinity plus one. Well, exactly. Okay, just keep going. <laughs> exactly. Back a few infinities on top of each other, and you're still not close. Exactly. I was going to say infinity to the 10th power raised to the multiple uh, magnification of a black hole. And that's still... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and that's still black hole. Exactly. Exactly. The the one last thing that I really want to touch on, Pastor John, and this is going to be... This is going to be controversial. I don't care, though, because... And what God's brought me through, I think I, I think I know it's hard a little bit. And God is not a God of division, so I'm gonna say it, folks. Denominational churches are not biblical. Period. Well, there's a, there's not. a whole lot of things that are not biblical. Uh, I but wouldn't. That's the you know, one. If, make, if you're gonna start picking on denominational churches, pretty soon you're gonna have to start picking on non-denominational churches, and then. Then you're gonna you know, you're gonna start running afoul of anti-denominational churches and quasi-denominational churches and right. para churches and you know uh, not, there's so many things out in the world that are not biblical that uh, you could just spend all your time looking for not biblical things and miss walking in love. Right. And you're and you're right with that, but I'll tell you why I hit that one particular thing, and it was because it's because of Luke chapter eleven verse seventeen, and even though Jesus was addressing the legal, the religious folks who accused him of casting out demons in the name of Beelzebub, that scripture actually applies to the body of Christ as well when he said. And he, knowing their thoughts, said, a kingdom divided against itself falls into desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. Care Mm -hmm. 
about, okay, there may be doctrinal differences. I can overlook the denominational divide if when I walk into that church, I sense the the love of God coming through that preacher. Because like you said, uh, to uh, perf- when we talked the other day, when we were talking about perfection, we we were talking about it means to mature. So we're all maturing. We will always be maturing growing up in Christ. So, yep. okay, you have a denomination. If you are pouring out the love of God when someone from a different denomination or non-denomination, they walk into your church and they sense the love of God. Because me personally, this is how I think, and tell me if I'm wrong in this. I believe that if we are professing believers and we say we're all a part of the body of Christ, I should be able to walk in any. In America, professing to be followers of Jesus Christ and feel welcome. Am I off in that, or am I right? Well, no, that's not, that's not wrong. It might be a little bit ambitious to expect it to be to be real, because <laughs> yeah. the people that are in control of those churches they might have a different idea than you do. Right, and you know, you uh, it's awfully easy to run afoul of religious people. It is just really, really easy to just run completely crossways to religious people. They don't. Yep. Uh, they don't do well at sharing. Uh, at, at sharing their belief system, you know, they've got their belief system, and and that's just fine. If you don't agree with them, that's okay as long as you don't mind going to hell. Wow, um, that's true. <laughs> and you know they're it's awfully easy for for religious people to demand that everybody be like them because they think they've got it all figured out. And and it's sad. It's just downright sad that that's the way it is, but that is the way it is. And all we can do is just love them and apply everything well, through the prism of God's love. And that, that's kind of a... That's a um, expression that I actually coined, applying applying everything through the prism of God's love. Yep. You know, it's kind of like when you shine light through a prism and you get the colors of the rainbow. You know, that's that's where I came up with that. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it's we just have to we have to make sure, folks, that. You know, as body as body of believers, we have to understand what we have, who we are in Christ. And when we know who we are in Christ, we have nothing to fear. We don't have to fear this economy. We don't have to fear the booty man known as our government. We don't have to fear anybody because whatever happens at the end of the day, God still has our back. Yeah. And until God's purpose is fulfilled. And guess what, folks? <clears throat> you know, Pastor John, one of the coolest revelations that God has ever given me was what the scripture um that you know where the scripture uh says that he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish, that scripture in mm-hmm. the Bible. 
Well, yep. he's coming back for a church, a perfect church that's doing that has that no longer has any wrong. And I was meditating on that. And here's what the Lord actually taught me that scripture means. That scripture actually means Jesus is coming back when the church has fulfilled its obligation, not mm-hmm. when it's perfect. And and I got to meditating on that. And so now I'm I sit back and I'm looking at looking at what's going on in the world. Despite, uh, despite, you know, you can see prophecy, biblical prophecy, you know, where it talks about evil being called good and good being called evil. You see that. But what you're not seeing, also see the falling away of people falling away from the church, but, you, but you're not seeing the church rising up in power. Now, I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that I read somewhere in the Bible where it says the kingdom of God suffered violence, but the violence take it by force. Could you explain mm-hmm. that scripture and to the listeners and also to me as well to make sure, I want to make sure that I'm not taking that out of the context because to me that means that the body of Christ, those of us, kingdom of God, body of Christ, we're so we're supposed to be the ones wielding the power in Christ Jesus and having the influence. So could you could you kind of explain that before we uh, well the, when it talks about you know the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent taken by force. If we're going to walk the way we're supposed to walk um, in in this world as believers, as people that carry authority. If we're going to do that, we're going to have to get really serious about it, and we're going to have mm-hmm. to get get really down and dirty. And, and when it comes to wielding the authority of the scriptures, we're going to have to not only get serious, we're going to have to get really, really serious. And we're going to have to just simply... Don't give up until we make it happen. And, exactly. you know, that that's going to require a violent mindset on your part. When you come come across the devil, it's not a matter that you have to beat the devil up, but you'd better know darn well what you're doing, and you better be really, really ready to just get toe-to-toe with the devil and, and biblically, spiritually, with the authority of Jesus Christ in you, in love, duke it out. Right, right, right. Amen. Pastor John, I got a I, um, one one more thing. I got a very dear friend down in Texas who is listening in, and um, mm-hmm. love her to pieces. Um, her name is her name is Diana, and um, she she has she has sometimes she has questions, and you know about the word and stuff like that. So Diana, I would like for you to call in if you if you're still listening and I want you to ask my spiritual father just some questions that's been on your mind because you know, she she's still growing she's still growing seeking to draw closer to the Lord cuz she very tender, very sweet lady. In fact, she was one of the first 
of my uh, Blog Talk Radio listeners back in 2011 when I started my um, when I started my political show, and so she was mm-hmm. actually one of my earliest listeners. And so, Diana, if you are listening, go ahead and call in, and uh, we can and you can ask Pastor John the, the questions about the faith. This is a this man. He's let me just put it like this. When it comes to the word of God, he he's not someone that thinks he's a know-it-all, but what he does know, he has that confidence in Jesus Christ. So call in and ask ask the questions. Um, Pastor John, while, uh, while I wait for her to call in, um, I want you to just uh, do your favorite thing you love to do best is to Pray for people. So okay. if you could just um, just pray. Oh, well, there she is. We, we can pray. Hold on just a second. Um, okay. Because I definitely want you to pray for, oh, we just lost her. She'll call back. Uh, I think she got disconnected. Uh, uh, she'll call back because sometimes phone goes crazy. Cell phones go crazy, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, there she is. Um, Hey, Lady Nye, this is Thomas. Go ahead and ask Pastor John whatever questions on your heart, and then when we're when we're done, we're gonna pray for you. Yeah, let me let me turn down your um your. Go ahead, um, just put it on mute. Just put it on mute in that way. There won't be no feedback. Okay. Um, now, is, I think right now, Pastor, my biggest question that I'm, and I'm really struggling with this and and trying to reconcile in my own mind, I I have begun to realize that there is a lot of anti-Semitism in this country. And I I guess I was never aware of it. I I don't know if I just wasn't around the people that felt that way or or not. Um, But I'm being told by some that the people in Israel are not really Israelites, that they are members of a, a Zionist group, and that we've been fooled by Satan all these years into celebrating the Sabbath on Sunday when mm-hmm. Sun, S-U-N, is an, actually a worship of the great deceiver so that we should be worshiping on Saturday as our Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of combining both questions to you. When I used my strong concordance and looked this up, I can't come across anything other than God rested on the seventh day. Yeah. Because the calendar has been changed so many times, 
Mm-hmm. And we know that to God a day is a, a, for us is a thousand. I, I just find it a very confusing um <laughs> I guess a very confusing question. Number one, are we looking at Israel as Israelites when they are or are not? And when do we, should we celebrate or not celebrate, but worship on the Sabbath, take that rest and do no work and do Mm -hmm. God's work only? Okay. Is that, um, is that, a, is that uh, a crazy question? No, no, it's not a terribly tough question. It's just kind of, uh, it's, it's in some ways it's it's two questions. In other ways, it's just one. Um, so I'll uh, I'll do my my best to get around the whole thing for you. Um, okay. Number one, um, Israel is Israel, whether they whether they are Zionist or or whoever, whatever, none of that matters. Okay. Uh, If if somebody says, well, I am Jewish, okay, great, be Jewish. Have you made Jesus Lord of your life? Because the Bible says in Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God for the Jew first and also to the nations. Also, one translation says the Gentiles. So it doesn't matter who you are. You need to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's the real, you know, if you're you're going to be hung up on something, be hung up on that. Uh, Get hung up on your your Jewish friends, introducing them to Jesus. You don't have to become... Actually, it's a Gentile that's telling me this. Yeah, I know. I know, because they're they're religiously hung up. They're religiously hung up on being right, and that's a real problem. That that is that's a problem that goes all the way to the bone in a lot of people, and it's it's a very hard thing. Um, you know, because well, we shouldn't worship on Sunday. Well, back up a second, Jack. The Bible says Jesus is your Sabbath. So what does that mean? Take a day off. Well, that's I don't a care very it's a good day. question. The, I mean, I figure every day belongs to God. Exactly. So take a day off. I don't care if it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. It doesn't matter. The Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. That's what Jesus said. Jesus didn't think that there was one day so special that we needed to really be sure and make that one the big deal. That's not what Jesus said at all. What Jesus said was the Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made Amen. for the Sabbath. So the truth is Jesus is your Sabbath. So rest every day. And work every day. And worship every day. It doesn't matter. You see, that, that's the whole thing. To get hung up on that, uh, well, this is the right day, that's the wrong day, uh, this is the right group of people, some other is the wrong group of people, none of that matters. Jesus matters. 
all that that's, other stuff that's is a, stuff. That's a great answer, and one that that I've wondered about because I, you know I start my day with a devotion, mm-hmm. and when I jump out of bed late and don't get anything but a passing prayer done. My day's not anywhere near as good as it is when I sit down and take a few minutes with the Lord and read through a devotion and and follow it up with some scripture and just kind of communicating with him. And, you know, I go through the day as as I participate in different activities saying, you know, Lord, I don't know why I said that or thought that or did that. I, I wish you'd take that away from me. I don't want to. I don't want to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not down on my knees, <laughs> but I I have the faith that He can do that. Yeah. Well, you know, the Bible says when we pray, we're supposed to be on our knees. There's another place in the Bible that says when we pray, we're supposed to stand and lift our hands. There's another place in the Bible that says we, when we pray, we're supposed to get on our face before God, put our face on the floor. There's another place in the Bible that says when we pray, we're supposed to to uh, sing and dance and leap. One is not correct. I I very rarely get on my knees simply because if I do, my knees hurt. It hurts you know, that's, that's not terribly spiritual, but I pray all the time. I pray when I'm driving. Oh, well, there's no verse that says you can do that. I don't care. I don't care <laughs> if there's a verse that says I can do that or not. I'm praying while I'm driving. Sometimes, you know, there's idiots out there. I want to avoid them really a lot. Oh, exactly. And and I find myself, when I've received a phone call or or I have managed to accomplish something that I physically didn't realize I could accomplish, just kind of stopping and saying, geez, Lord, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, knowing full well that he allowed me the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I try, I don't always do it, but I try to remember to stop and just say thanks. Yeah, nobody Thank always you. does anything. I don't care if it's good or bad. Yeah. There, there's I, no I, such thing I as somebody always does anything. Nobody does. That's just a well, online I simple have, I appreciate your time on that. That's that's really something that's that's been kind of hanging in the back of my mind for some time. And um, I, I just... I don't want to ever be an obstacle or a stumbling block to some other man's faith or some other man's yeah. path because that's an abominable sin in God's eyes. Well, and he, I tell you he'll what, hold I'll tell us you what's an abominable sin in God's eyes, Diana. What's what's the great sin in God's eyes is refusing to receive Jesus. That's as bad as sin could possibly get in God's eyes. God doesn't look yep. at things like, well, this sin is worse than this sin. I, no, would, I, I would rather that. have a church full of murderers than have one gossip. 
I don't go to church anymore, uh-huh. but I do go to a Bible study every Monday well, night, and we study it chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And this this semester we're on Matthew, and I'm becoming very familiar with some of the things that Jesus was trying to teach the disciples. Mm-hmm. I know Mark was the first book written, but Matthew kind of kind of gave a good overview of the other prophets and, and uh, are the other disciples, the gospel. Yes. And yes. Um, I find myself tracking it in Acts and Jeremiah, back to Isaiah, back to Daniel, and I, it's 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 really. I love history, number one, mm-hmm. yeah. and this is such a such a biblical history that I don't know how anybody could get bored with it <laughs> and not want not want to do it. Yeah, because it's it's about it's about our Lord and Savior, but it's also about how we can join him. And how they've known about this since before Adam and Eve were put on the earth because Jesus was with him. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just get really, um, I just kind of have to walk away sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't take it upon yourself when somebody else decides, oh, I don't like that, that mine. Well, you know, their opinion really doesn't matter either. It just it just there's so many things in in religious people that just simply matter. And uh the the further along we can come to that and and you know, rest in Jesus, the easier life becomes for us. Uh for those folks there's nothing about life that's ever going to be that easy because they're hung up. You know, I keep going back to that where he tells us to lay down our yoke and take his, for it is far easier. Matthew 11, and verses 28 through 30. Yep. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Just got through with that two weeks ago. We're in Matthew 19 now. But mm-hmm. it, it, I keep thinking about that. Lay down your yoke and take mine. Yeah. It's so much lighter. Oh, and yes, it is. I keep, I keep working at that, and I keep asking for direction and guidance on how to do that, mm-hmm. and. There are times when he he literally brings uh, verses right in front of my face about something I asked two years ago. Yes, he's very likely to do that and keep on doing it. Because that's how, that's that's one of the primary ways God communicates with his kids. It's just... um, well, you've relieved my mind about having to con- be concerned about that. So oh, that's good. I that I mean, I truly appreciate that. 
I trust what you're saying because I know Thomas like like I've I know him like I've known him all my life and I don't mm-hmm. I've never seen the man. Yeah. But I love him as a brother. Well that's good. And he's just he's just one of the one of the most honest, trustworthy Christians. He makes me want to be a better person. That is awesome. That is exactly awesome. Well, true. Well, the check will be in the mail tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas, that that won't be necessary, darling. (laughs) You might want to start holding your breath early. (laughs) Oh, that's... That that's good. That was that was my my biggest question right now, sir. Well, well, that's Diane. great. You just keep praying and keep living and keep thinking and and uh, you have other questions. Thomas has a lot of answers. You know why? Because Thomas has asked a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. Huh? I like asking <laughs> questions, and I ask why. But, Lady yeah. Di, before you go, I want you to um, – I want to. I want Pastor John to pray for you and just um, – because um, I know that you were uh, kind of um, upset about the situation, but one thing that I can tell you about Pastor John is that when he prays, they get answered. And, and I do know this for a fact. Um, so, if um, what are your prayer, what are your prayer requests? Because we are going to be closing out this phenomenal show. He will be back next week, so don't miss. No, now that I know how easy it is to find you again, um, yeah. my biggest challenge right now, um, Pastor, is I have two children, grown children, raising some grandchildren that are not, they were brought up in a church and I I did what I could. Yep. I laid a foundation. But they have chosen, they're good kids. They're good people. Mm-hmm. They're very well educated. They're, they're not lawbreakers. They're not druggies. They're not drinkers. They're, they just don't have God in their life. And they yep. just don't see the reason for it. And yep. I, I've prayed for somebody their age, their peers, their somebody that could reach them. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm having to back off of it myself. And it's, it's, it's hard when you give something to God to leave it alone. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm not going to take this back. That I'm is hard. Let, but, him handle um, it. let me let me tell you the biblical way to pray for somebody um, to be saved. Um, you know that a lot of us. I, I prayed for years for my sister. Oh God, save my sister! Save my sister! Save my sister! Oh God, she needs you! She needs you! Save my sister! Over and over and over and over and over. Until, you know, I just, basically, I just figured I'm going to wear out heaven if I don't 
do anything else. Um, and uh, and I just kept going after her. Oh, save my sister, save my sister, save my sister. And, oh, sorry about that. I just stepped outside here, and the neighbor's dog is <laughs> excited. Um, but uh, I found out that in Matthew chapter 12, there's a passage of Scripture that says, if you want to spoil the strong man's house, you must bind the strong man. Uh, oh, okay. Matthew 12? And, yeah, it's yeah, in Matthew 12. About, I don't, we talked I don't about know that the exact words, but it's in there. Last week. So how, how do you do that? I'm going to show. I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to pray for your kids that way in just a minute. Oh. Uh, the, other, the other verse is in Matthew 9 that says, Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would speaking. send forth laborers into the harvest. Okay. And and I'm going to pray for your kids right now, and I'm going to show you how it's done. And it's really simple. Okay. It's not hard. It's not complicated. It doesn't require a whole lot. Um, so let's do that right now, shall we? Okay. All right, Father, I lift Diana's kids up to you. They need you. Jesus, they need you. And... We wish to spoil the strong man's house. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I forbid you entrance and access into their lives. I command you to take your hands off of their life and their situations in Jesus' name. And, Father, I ask you to send forth laborers into the harvest field that these children and their spouses and their children is. That, 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 harvest field, Lord. Send laborers. I don't care who they are. I don't care if it's me. I don't care if it's Diana. You know who the laborers are. I ask you to send them in Jesus' name. And Father, from now until eternity, we will rejoice in the salvation of Diana's children. We will rejoice that they are loving Jesus, serving God with all that they are. Thank you, sir. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a powerful prayer. Praying stuff like that isn't hard. It's not complicated. And and it's not even religious, which is the best part. Amen. I, really don't, like, I don't like religion at all. <laughs> I um I lost a lot of um a lot of trust in in churches because of all of man's traditional doctrines. Religion. Yep. Yeah, religion. Just call it what it is, religion. Cause, yeah, uh, and I, I don't need any re-anything except mm-hmm. to be, you know, reincarnated in my spirit that God will do. Well, you know what? Yep. The, uh, the interesting thing about that, Diane, is that here's here here's a little secret that needs to be shared a little bit better. Jesus has already did it all in your spirit. If you're in Christ, the Bible says you are a new creation. Behold, old things pass away, and all things are become new. So you're you're made new in Christ. What you are talking about, the statement you just you just made, is that you just want to mature in your faith. 
and see, yes, that's not that's not complicated either. Because see, here here's here's the greatest revelation of all. You're not capable of doing it under your own power. If you want to change in your life, you can't do it on your own. The change takes place as you draw closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of your relationship with him, you will look up one day and you'll be like, oh, I have no desire for that anymore. Mm-hmm. And it all it's all about relationship because you're not capable. Wow. I'm not capable. Pastor John's not capable. Contrary to what the religious folks might say, we're not capable of doing it ourselves. That's why I don't I don't get caught up when I hear that the Ten Commandments got taken down. It's like, dude, <laughs> he gave us two new commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. When when they when the disciples was asking Jesus what well, what are the greatest of right. the commandments? And he said, And these are all the others fulfilled. So I don't sweat off that while while we're fighting needless battles when the devil is getting us distracted from our purpose. So that's said an that. awesome expression. That is really and you know, I I've just finished studying that and I think I just now understand it. All right. Well, you know, oh, and you man. just you just have to you just have to keep growing. And um there's more there's more where this came from because Pastor John's going to be back next week. And I, I'm not telling them what to teach on because, you know, I, oh, man, I could, uh, I could talk about this guy for hours, his, him, his wife, you, his children. You've already but, told uh, me about this guy a lot. So, yeah, <laughs> but, I'm, I'm expecting yeah, him well. to be close to walking on water, Thomas. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, probably he's, not. No, <laughs> no, probably he's, not. He's very, he's very, he's very humble. But he has a, he has a. Uh, one of the greatest things about Pastor John is that he doesn't take things too seriously until it's necessary. Like he can laugh at himself and and stuff like that. I mean, he, it's one of those Maybe things I'll get that to meet you him when I get to meet you. Possibly. That, that would be awesome. I tell you what, oh. next week I'm I'm going to talk about answer the question: What does God use to chasten, reprove, teach, and correct His people? Oh, that's going to be a good one. Next week. Yeah, he's he's going to you doing, Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, he's doing that lessons for a few weeks. So anyway we are down to three minutes so i'm going to close everybody out with prayer and we're going to call it a night because i've i've had a phenomenal i've been blessed actually i'm gonna go back and listen to it again anyway i sure thank you for giving me that message thomas you're welcome um dear heavenly father in the mighty name of jesus christ lord thank you for this opportunity for worship and word, Lord God. Thank you for Pastor John and the message that he brought forth tonight. Father, I pray that those who listen in archives and those who will be here next week will be blessed. Father God, we love you and we bless you and we say 
we just love you even more. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. 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 You have been listening to Reality in Christ, Worship and Word here on Blog Talk Radio and True Radio Network. Please join us again next week for part two with Pastor John, myself, and Worship and Word. Than words can express.